Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is Don't Retire, Retread. Retread instead. All right, you're going to see why in just a minute. We're going to be in Joshua 1, 10 through 18. And to start out with, I just want to mention Thanksgiving. I hope everybody had a blessed Thanksgiving. I know a lot of you had interesting Thanksgiving weeks, uh, a lot of trials, right? But what is Thanksgiving known for? What are, what are some things it's known for? Okay, food, right? I hear a lot of food there, right? Food, family, another F. There's food, family, and football. I, I, heard, quite, I heard a little blurring out there. Football. But also, hopefully, it's known for giving thanks, right? Giving thanks to God. That's really the whole point of it, although we're not sure how much that happens in, in, our, in the USA. But what proves that we're really thankful? What proves it? I heard a couple of things. It comes from the heart, but it, it's proved by our actions, right? Our actions prove that we're thankful. That's what that proves it. If you just really appreciated that Thanksgiving meal that, you know, mom or grandma or whoever cooked for you, what proves you really appreciate it? You helped clean up the dishes, which I know we all did, man, right? We all did that, right? Uh, what proves that you go out for a meal and you're at a restaurant? What proves that you appreciated the service? You give the tip, right? A nice tip, not the cheap of 10%, but the 20%, which is what we should be given, right? That's, that's the, that proves that we're thankful. And it's the same with God. It's the same with God. After all he's done with for us, how will we show our thanks? And we're going to see in this story in Joshua here, a story of gratitude in action that really has a lot to say to each of us on this Christmas communion. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our worship. We thank you for the beautiful decorations that just remind us that this is Christmas and when you gave your son, gave him to not just be born but to die for us, which is what this Christmas communion is all about. We pray now that your spirit would speak to us through your word. We pray for your mercy and grace for this to happen. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'm going to read a couple of verses starting out. We'll start with verse 10, 10 through 12, where it says, So... And once again, if you haven't been here for the first couple, go on the podcast, get the CDs, because it kind of flows together. But starting with verse 10, So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, Go through the camp and tell the people, Get your supplies ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. So we see the beginning part here that he says, the NIV here says, prepare your supplies. Some other versions say, Provide your, prepare your provisions. I like the King James Version the best, where it says, prepare your victuals. Prepare your victuals. All right? You remember that? I just think that has a ring to it. Prepare your victuals. You know? And, and uh, it's really talking about a food supply. Preparing your food provisions. And that's, some of you are old enough to remember when it was called victuals. Right? But the, um, it's preparing your food. Now, nothing is in the Bible by chance. Nothing by chance. So preparing your victuals, provisions, your food supplies, whatever, it's not there by chance. The Holy Spirit has a purpose in moving the author to write something down. Every, everybody who, every 
prophet or apostle or or judge that wrote one of these was moved by the Holy Spirit to write in a certain way. In fact, 2 Peter 1, 20 to 21, and this is why I'm saying this, is because whenever you see something in the Bible, don't gloss gloss over it. It's there for a purpose. 2 Peter 1, 20-21 says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Yes, the Holy Spirit used people's personality and, and, and the person, but the Holy Spirit moved in such a way that it was God's word. And so when you see prepare your victuals, it's there for a reason. Preparing your food supply is a big shift, a big shift. It probably shook them up just as much as saying, get ready to cross the Jordan, which, by the way, was in flood stage, and it was huge, swollen, and right now, if you go to the Jordan River, it's this little river, but when it's flooded, it's massive. Think of the, well, the Delaware, you can often walk across it, but when it's flooded, you better not go near it, right? And that's what happened with the Jordan River. It was a huge flooded time, no way, and he's saying, get ready, we're going to cross it, no bridge, no boat, all right? We'll get to that in a little bit, uh, a couple weeks there, but it probably shook them up just as much as saying, we're going to cross the Jordan without boats, without a bridge, to say, prepare your victuals, get your food ready, because it was a big shift. Up till this point, what was the emphasis on for food? Manna, right? Manna. The manna that would, would come down from heaven every day. Come and get it. You know, it was always there. They didn't have to do anything. Just walk out and collect it and eat it. And that's what they did. Uh, there was other food if they could find it, right? Out in the desert and in the land of the Amorites and all that. There was other food. They had other food. We know that. But manna was the bulk of the diet. But now, now this is important. Now they're getting ready for the battle. They're getting ready to cross the Jordan, take the promised land, fight the battles. And remember... The, the promised land is a physical land. It's, a, it's a, a picture of our spiritual battles that we're fighting. That's just why it's in there. It's for us. We fight spiritual battles just like they fought the physical battles. We're going to see that as we go through the book. Really, really interesting parallels. But now they're getting ready for the battles that they're going to have to fight. And Joshua says, prepare your victuals. The Holy Spirit, God gives them that command, prepare your victuals. And then everybody's saying, wait, Why? Why? What about the manna? Guess what? Here's a hint. It's going to stop soon. We're going to see that in a few weeks. It's going to stop. They're entering a new phase, a new spiritual phase of their relationship with God. They're going into a deeper faith here. It's a new phase in the relationship. It's a deeper faith. They've already received the manna, which was free. The manna came down, and they received it freely. It was all free, and they got there for 40 years, and the, the, you know, wandering 40 years, right? But now, before they can take the land, they need, they need to learn how to feed themselves. They have to learn how to feed themselves. And this is for us today. This is for us. This lesson is for us. Manna is a picture of who? Jesus. Jesus Christ. It's a picture of Jesus Christ. He's the bread from heaven. In fact, in John 6, 30 to 35, 30 to 35, it says, So they asked him, What miraculous sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? Talking to Jesus. What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. 
It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus, Jesus is the bread from heaven. When we believe in Jesus Christ, when we put our faith in him, just as it's talking about here, when we put our faith in Jesus, we receive life, eternal life, which starts the moment you put your faith in Jesus and it goes out forever in in heaven someday. It goes forever. The moment you say, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin. He came down from heaven and died for me on that cross. He rose again from the dead to prove he was your son and to to show that he's paid for our sin. And the moment we put our faith in him, we say, I believe in Jesus. I give my life to him. At that moment, you receive eternal life. It starts at that second and it goes on for all of eternity. It goes forever. But after, now get this, after receiving, can can we earn salvation? No, it's free, just like the manna. It's free. We take it freely. After receiving that free gift of bread, Jesus, the manna from heaven, bread from heaven, after we do that, it's vital to learn how to feed ourselves. Very, very important to know how to prepare our own spiritual victuals. Like the Israelites, before they can move forward and take the land, they had to learn how to feed themselves. And before we can move forward spiritually and claim our spiritual inheritance, before we can do that, we must learn how to prepare our victuals. We must learn how to feed ourselves. King James Version of 2 Timothy 2.15. I picked that because it's a song uh, I learned at camp. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. Very, very important. This was a camp song when I was a little kid at Niagara Bible Camp Conference Camp when I was just a kid. And it goes something like this. <laughs> I'll try it. <laughs> I'm always afraid to sing. I never know what's going to come out. But anyway, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of God. Uh, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Anybody remember that one from camps when you were a kid? Nobody? I'm really old, aren't I? But anyway, we would sing that over and over every year. I went to like eight years in a row. We sing that and we knew it so well. And that's so important. I, the King James Version we used back then. Everybody did. But anyway, we won't go into that. Uh, but it, it's vital to learn how to feed ourselves, or we won't grow up. This is important. If, if we don't learn to feed ourselves, we won't grow up or be able to fight the spiritual battles that we have to fight. Now, if you're a new Christian, if you just became a Christian or you've been only a year or two, that's okay. You need time to grow. You are a baby. The Bible says you're a baby Christian. That's what the, the terminology the Bible uses. You're a baby Christian. And when you're a baby, milk is good, right? Milk is good. That's all good. In fact, 1 Peter 2, 3, 1 Peter 2, 2 to 3 says... Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Like when you first become a Christian, we should crave the pure spiritual milk. We should crave the teachings of Christ. We should crave that, just like, just like a baby. Uh, we have a baby living in our house, as you, most of you know. We have this baby, the granddaughter living there. And when she wants that bottle, you know it. You know, it could be any time of the day. When she's ready for it, she wants that bottle. Middle of the night, she wants that bottle. Ah, I'm too old for this. But anyway, the, uh, 
but she needs to be she needs the, she needs that milk and and if you're a new christian that's good you need the milk that's okay you need to be fed you she can't prepare the bottle she can't go you know do all that she she we she needs someone to put the bottle mix the milk put it in the mouth feed it to them and and that's the same thing if you're a new christian you need to be fed very very important you need to listen to teachings and get it from the teaching you need to ask a lot of questions when you're being discipled or mentored in a home fellowship you need to ask it's okay that's very important. We all need that time. But in order to grow, at some point you're going to need to learn to feed yourself. You're going to need to learn to eat solid food and feed yourself. Very, very important. What if you came into the house and you saw your teenager drinking out of a baby bottle? Milk. That would be like crazy, right? Or, or, or if you see an adult who's eating baby food, you know, because you know, they can't handle the solid stuff. That, that would be tragic, really, right? That's what it would be. But yet, that's <laughs> spiritually what often happens. People that should already be teenagers spiritually or adults are still eating the, the soft stuff or drinking out of a bottle or waiting to be fed because, because they've never grown spiritually. Very important that we, we grow spiritually. In fact, in Hebrews 5, in Hebrews 5, 11 through 14, it says this. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you still need... You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Wow, that's a challenging verse for us. Are we eating solid food are we to that place have we are we moving forward are we eating solid food are we growing from that solid food are we and the result is are we discerning so many so many christians nobody here but so many christians uh, uh aren't discerning when it comes to your, your the media garbage and, and the lies that are being told by the world and, and over and over in the classrooms and in the college classrooms, the lies that are against God's word being told. And, and so many of us don't discern the good from evil. We get sucked in. We get brainwashed. We become conformed to this world instead of being transformed by the renewing of our mind. And there's a, you can connect the dots. There's a zillion lies being told out there that go directly against God's word. They're lies. And we have to be strong enough by eating God's word, knowing God's word, we should be able to battle that and, and not let it conform us, but we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Very, very important. And the result, look at Hebrews 6, 1 through 3, where he says, let us then leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation, the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instructions about baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, the, and eternal judgment, and God permitting we will do so. Those are all really important truths, but that we shouldn't keep coming back to them. We should already be established in those truths. We shouldn't have to lay that foundation again. Uh, for instance, I'll give you one example. Uh, 
the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death. Talking about sin. We, we shouldn't keep we shouldn't be falling back into sin. We should be living in victory because we know the word and we're living the word. This is the whole point of it. Knowing it, eating it, being fed by it, and digesting it. Remember we talked about the whole meditation thing? Meditating on God's word. And then when that happens, we should be living it. We should be living in victory. That's the whole point of why it's so important that we can feed ourselves. Once again, it's important you come, you hear the word preach, but if you just come and just hear me preach and don't do anything else with it, you're just sticking a bottle in your mouth and sucking on it. You're, you're, you're not, you've got to take what we study and in other parts of the Bible and, and really go deep with it. And not just go deep with it, but live it. Live it by faith. Living it by faith. Very, very important. It's vital to grow up. And that's the key to having victory in our spiritual battles. It's vital to grow up. We have to grow in order to have the victory in our spiritual battles. I think of being on the farm. When I was a kid uh, and going from battle to battle on the farm, there, I don't know if you know, but being on a farm is pretty dangerous. Not just the machinery, but the animals. You got, you, growing up, we had to battle the animals. Uh, I remember my first battle very, very well. I was three years old. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was chewing a piece of gum. And I went walking out, I was chewing my piece of gum, and I was feeling pretty tough and big. And I, I never forget, I was, I was really feeling good. And I walked out, and there was a big rooster standing in the, in the way. And I said, get out of the way, rooster. He took one claw, put it on my chest, flattened me down, stood up on, took, stepped up on top of me, and looked down at me, and I was screaming bloody murder. And he pecked the gum out of my mouth and walked away. I'll never forget it. And my dad comes running out. What's going on? That rooster took my gum. He knocked me down. Took my gum. So my dad went and got him and cut off his head right in front of me. We ate him for dinner and I got that gum back, didn't I? So anyway. You don't want to have a dangerous rooster around. But anyway, we had him for dinner. True, true. Uh, So don't mess with a farm kid. But, uh, but then, then, then after I grew a little bit more, I wasn't worried about the roosters. You know, I could just chase them away. But then it was the geese. The geese are mean. I remember I was like seven or eight years old, and, and these geese would chase us around. You know, we're, they would, you, they, you had to watch out. If you got near their babies, or you got near their food, or you just bugged them. Geese are tough. And especially there's a couple of them. They were tough. They would chase us and knock us and bite us and and finally I got a little bigger and I learned how to deal with the geese you know I would could walk out and I well I won't tell you what I did but anyway I could take care of the geese and uh but then after that it was the cows the cows you've heard of mad cow disease well forget the disease just mad cows are hard to deal with so as they get bigger and then we had to deal with the cows and we had to try to get them into the barn when they were just you know going to have their calves and they were mad and then we had to try to milk them and oh we had to deal with a lot with cows we had but but over time we got i got big enough i could really fight the cows and deal with the cows except the biggest ones but you know they, they can be tough but the point is every step of the way as we grew we could deal with something else and spiritually it's the same as we grow spiritually we can deal with this attack and that attack the satan's attack in our life this struggle that used to beat knock us down and beat us we should be growing so that we can deal with the battles that we have to face spiritually and also help other people. This is very important. Help other people who are having their spiritual battles. Let's look at back to Joshua and we'll look at this part of that. Prep the victuals and the second part I'm going to call the spearhead. 
Verse 12. Start with verse 12. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. But all your fighting men, fully armed, must cross over ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest as he has done for you. And until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. Then they answered Joshua, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against you, your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Wow. So we have a spearhead. and you're, Some of you may not be familiar with this, although after you do the walk through the Bible coming up, you will know what's going on with this story. In Numbers 32, this, comes, this story comes from Numbers 32, where the Israelites, on their way to the Promised Land, east of the Jordan, they're coming toward the Promised Land. Here's the river. They, come through. they had to defeat the Amorites in Bashan in order to get there. And once they defeated the Amorites on the east of the Jordan to get to cross the river to keep going uh, to the Promised Land, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, that's two and a half tribes that were there, and Manasseh was a very large tribe, that's why they almost counted like their own tribe in a sense, half the tribe, they saw the land that they had just conquered before they crossed the river into the Promised Land, they saw it as they're going west. They said, this is really good. And, and those tribes were known for their herds of animals and, and cows. And they said, this would be great for pasture. And this would fit, our, fit us perfectly. So they asked Moses if they could settle there. But if you've ever read Numbers 32, you know Moses got really mad. Because what did he think? He thought, oh, here we go again. Just like 40 years ago. I'm not going to be here another 40 years, right? I'm going to be out in the desert 80 years. He's like, oh, no, we're not doing this again. He got mad. He thought they were afraid to go in. And he thought they didn't want to help. But they were, he thought they were afraid and fighting and they were faithless, just like the, the 11 of the, the spies. Well, whatever, 11, 10. Uh, the, 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 the scared spies, however number there were. How many were there? Help me. 10. 10 spies. 10 spies were afraid, okay? But... Um, they th he thought they were trying to get out of it, but they said, no, 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 we're reassuring you. We're not afraid, and we will still go and help the other tribes take the promised land. We just think this is perfect for us. So they made a promise to Moses, so Moses and God allowed them to settle on that side of the river. So they got their land first, okay? That's the story. And now that they're crossing the river, the time has come for them to keep their promise to help the other tribes to help their brothers take the land. It's time to fulfill their promise and their purpose because they were called to go first. And if you are, have a military background, what is the group that goes first called? The spearhead. The spearhead. 
The spearhead, they were called to be the spearhead. A spearhead was, was, was to go in and fight the enemy first. I have a good friend whose father was in World War II. And his father has now passed away. But his dad used to tell me the stories when I was in college. And, and he, he said he was in the spearhead. When they were going into Germany to finish World War II, when they are going in, his unit was a spearhead unit. And they were, their job was literally to go into the enemy, fight their way into the enemy, and then get surrounded and then hang on for dear life until the reinforcements came. That was their job. He was telling me that they had 270 men in his group. I don't know what it was called at that time, but his unit. They had 270 men starting the war, and at the end there were 17 still in that group. 17. The spearhead. And that's what these two and a half tribes were called to be by God. They had already won their inheritance, and now they're expected to take the lead. And this is written for us today. It's not just for these guys way back then. This is written for us today. That's what we are called to do as well. Many here today have already put their faith in Jesus Christ. You have already Realize that Jesus died for your sin. You've repented of your sin. You've asked for forgiveness for that sin. You've put your faith in Jesus. And now, now, our job isn't to just kick back and relax. Our job is to help others put their faith in Jesus. Our Joshua. Joshua, Jesus, same exact name. To put our faith in Jesus and, and, and help them put their faith in Jesus and follow Jesus just like we are doing. Many of you here today are mature believers. You've been Christians for years. You're not a baby. You're not a teenager. You're a mature believer. You've been Christians for years. You've been discipled. You've been mentored. You've been in home fellowships. You know your spiritual gifts. And sometimes when that happens, we are tempted to just kind of kick back, aren't we? Nobody here, but you might know somebody like that. Who are tempted to just kick back and relax. I've done my part, you know. I've done it all. And I've, some of you may have said, I'm not picking on anybody because I've thought the same thoughts. But, you know, I've worked in the nursery. I did Sunday school. I did youth group. You know, I've done set up and take down for years. I did sound. I, you, know, you know, whatever. You done all this stuff, you know. And I've done it all. And, and I just, I've done it all. It's time for someone else to do it. Let the younger people do it, right? Yeah, nobody here has ever said that, I'm sure. But you might know somebody like that. Uh, done it all. But no, that's not time to retire. It's not time to retire. Just ask uh, Paul and Beth. I don't, they're not here. Beth, Beth is uh, you know, sick today uh, and getting a test tomorrow, so be praying for her. But uh, just ask Paul and Beth. That's who I was, I was talking to them on the phone. I said, I'm too bad you're not going to be here because I'm going to use you guys in the story. I... Paul and Beth have been here from the start of the church, and they've done all the youth, the kids in the Sunday school, and the youth group, and I remember being on the all-nighters, Lee, I remember on the all-nighters, Paul, and I remember Paul finally saying, and you, I remember you saying it, and I've said it too, uh, what are we doing here on an all-nighter with all these youth groupers? We're getting too old for this. Uh, not that I'm as old as those guys, but anyway, the, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm a little older than Paul. I'm a little younger than Liam. But anyway, the, uh, remember how we felt? We get home, we're just exhausted for the week, you know? You know and, 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 and it's easy to be like, I've had enough. I have enough. But Paul and Beth, they haven't retired. Paul hasn't retired. He was going to be teaching Sunday school today. He's still teaching Sunday school. The kids still come home, you know? And so uh, we can't retire. No, our job, I'll get this, our job as mature Christians who have arrived, yeah, okay, who have arrived, is to help the younger 
Christians move forward. That's our job, to disciple them, to mentor them, to spend time with them, to go out to lunch with them, to share the word, and, and just naturally, just a relationship, share the word, and, and share a, a good spiritual book that's really helped us. We take them through a book, or just sharing our life. Who are you doing that with? You've arrived. Who are you spending time with and helping move forward? There are so many new Christians here. Look at all the baptisms we had this last year. So many new Christians. We have to spend time with the younger Christians. First of all, it's great. It's exciting. It's fun. It's just, you know, it's because their their faith is so exciting and so real. And and, and I think it energizes to spend time with new Christians. But also, they need us. They really, really need us. Now, we may need time to recharge, right? We all go through hard times or we get exhausted and, and we may need to, time to recharge. Uh, we all need R&R, right? We all, I get that. And I always, I'll often tell people, hey, you needed some time off. <laughs> You're getting burned out. You've done a lot. You need some time to rest. But, but after we get that time of recharging, it's time to get out there and get to work because we can't retire. We might retread, Retread, and a lot of us do need to retread once we reach a certain point. Retread, but we never retire. We retread. Look at look at some of our elders. Chuck, Chuck, uh, out in the street doing all this. You know, he retired from his his job, and the guy's been so busy, unbelievable. He's out every night doing ministry, whether on the wit evangelism or the college ministries and discipling and mentoring. It's awesome. Or Jim and Diane, Chuck and Joe, Jim and Diane. Jim retired, took early retirement, uh, but, but he hasn't been able to retire. He's had to retread. Uh, God has called him to do like a, a Jim and Diane a MASH ministry. They're always out. A lot of you know, they're out. Help, anybody's sick in the hospital, needs help, God just kind of like leads them to them. And they're always driving somebody to the hospital or spending time taking medical tests or, or all kinds of stuff. They have like that MASH ministry. They, they didn't get to retire. to retire. They had to retread. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Kiefer, I, she was almost 80 when she said, Chuck, I think we need a prayer ministry here. With new church, we need a prayer ministry. Boy, did she take it on, right? How many times has she prayed for you guys, called you, followed you up, done something for you, right? And she, got, she was almost 80 when she started that ministry, just like Moses, right? Moses was 80 when he was called to lead the people to the promise, you know, out of, out of Egypt. John and Mary Alta, once again retired. I know I'm embarrassing everybody here, but John and Mary Alta, discipling people all the time. They're always discipling someone and, and spending time. And, and the podcast, you know, John does, working with Karen on this podcast, he goes, you think you have it bad listening to my sermons. He goes and takes it home and listens to them a couple more times and edits them, takes out all my flubs and, and that stuff. And uh, he also, um, he also, organizes it in such a way that we can put it on a podcast and, and, or the YouTube. And it's amazing how many people hear the gospel. A lot of you don't even know it. There's a, you can see the counter on the one podcast. It's over 15,000 people have listened to the gospel on that. And I know there's another one that Karen's, Karen's here. A lot more, right? A lot more on the other side. It's probably double that. And a lot of people are hearing... Because of their ministry, they're hearing the gospel. That people that don't come to church are hearing the gospel. But that's because people aren't retiring. They're retreading. Retreading. Very, very important. And it's hard because we get tired, don't we? Stressed. (laughs) Anybody stressed here in December? Uh, We get tired. We get tired in our ministry. We've done it for so long. We get tired in our marriage. 
married 25, 30 years, and the same old things keep coming up, and we just get tired. We get tired with our kids, you know, another prodigal, you know. We get tired of battling. We get, we get tired praying for a family member or, a, or a, a, a friend who we've prayed for them for years, and they haven't accepted Christ. They won't even come visit the church, you know. They won't, you know, and we just, we start to get tired, Right? Or maybe your, your ministry is your parents. Your parents who changed a lot of your diapers now are having a hard time. They need ministry. Maybe they even have Alzheimer's. And a lot of times we get tired. We're dealing with mom and dad again. And, and they're going through all this stuff. And it's making us crazy. We get tired. But that's why the Apostle Paul encourages us in Galatians 6, 9 to 10, where he says, he says, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest... If we do not give up. If we do not give up. Very, very important to remember to not give up. That at the proper time, there will be that harvest. God has brought each of you, each of us, to this place in our life for a very important purpose. Right where you are, the spiritual place that we are, the physical place that we are, God has us to this place for a very, very important spiritual purpose. He has saved us. Why? So we can just look forward to heaven someday? No. He has saved us so that we can share the love of Jesus Christ with others. Philemon verse 6. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ Jesus. That's why we're saved. And you will not know the spiritual blessings and power that we have unless you're sharing your faith. And you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever shared your faith, I hope you're doing it regular basis, it's empowering. It's something powerful in our life when we do that. Super. Uh, he, is, he has given us victory over sin and victory over temptation after that long battle. You know what I'm talking about? That long, tough battle battle, lifelong battle. He's given us this victory to help us make progress against it so that why? We can help other people. That's why Galatians 6, 1 to 2. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself or you also may be tempted. Now get this. Look at the context here. Carry each other's burdens. In this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. We're to help carry the burdens, the temptations, the struggles of, of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Very, very important. He has blessed us financially. Why? So we can buy another, you know, another house or another car and another boat. Is that why he's blessed us? No, he's blessed us financially so that we can help others in need. Not just in the Philippines, which we're doing, but even here, all around us, there's people in need. That's why he's blessed us. Romans twelve thirteen. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. That's why he's blessed us. That's why he's brought us to that place. He has brought us through trials. Now get this. He's brought us through trials so that we can help other people who are going through pain and struggles. That's why God brings us through. So we can help other people. That's the whole point of it. A lot of you know we have a baby living with us uh, full-time right now, um, our first granddaughter, and she's there because of being born with addicted to drugs. She was born with that you know, addiction because you can guess why. Um, and it was, it's, it was hard, really hard, 
to go through that process. And it was hard for the baby because she was addicted. And we had a many long nights going through the withdrawal symptoms and all that went along with that. It was really, really tough. Uh, I, many, many long nights. But now she's in a good place. And not only that, her parents are in a pretty good place. And there's a good chance they can be reunited in, that, in the not-too-distant future. We're very hopeful for that. But what we saw going through this trial and this hard time we saw lots of babies that are being born addicted. In the hospital, there's so many. 4% of all babies born today are born with a drug addiction. Did you know that? Affected by drugs. It's a huge, huge problem. And there's no one there for most of them. They kept saying to us, this baby's so lucky she has you to take her home and you to hold her and you to do this because most don't. A lot of times the moms just have the baby and they walk out and maybe they come back and maybe they never know. But So what they have to do, because there's so many of them, and nurses can only do so much, they try their best, they just put the babies in the crib, and they have to cry their way through this. Three, four weeks of just laying there crying, going through withdrawal, seizures, shaking, all that stuff. And what they need is to be held. That's the best thing for a baby going through. It's the best thing for any baby, but especially for a baby going through a draw. But they can't do it. So these babies just lay in the crib and cry. So what Kim and I have really prayed about, what we feel led to, be, to do, is we're going to start taking some of these babies after our baby graduates, <laughs> hopefully to mom and dad, we're going to start taking some of these babies and, uh, and offer, to, offer, offer to take them, to help them through that withdrawal and maybe keep them or find other people to take them for permanently because a lot of people are looking for a baby. And we're going, to, we're, going to try to, we're going to try to start doing that. Do I really want to do that? No, because I like sleeping. And I'm tired. I'm way, I keep saying, Kim, I'm too old for this. Do I want to do that? No. But Kim wants to, and Kim always gets what she wants, huh? Uh, <laughs> and I'm not joking. But, uh, but, <laughs> but also, God wants us to do it. That's what we've seen from going through this process and seeing the need and seeing this. We know God wants us to do that. That's why, that's why we're doing it. And that's why God brings us through these trials to show us the need of other people. And to call us to minister to those people. And if you want to help with this, uh, talk to Kim. We can get you connected. There's a lot of ways to help. I'll share more about that in the weeks to come. But that's, that's why God brings us through that. Our, our natural inclination is to do what? Sleep. <laughs> to relax. Hey, I'm 55. I, I need some sleep. I should be a grandparent, not a parent, right? But, but it, it's a, our natural inclination is to we reach a goal and we want to relax, right? That's what we want to do. That's what, why it's so hard for professional teams to repeat, right? They win the championship, 
and you think, wow, they're dominant. They're going to win for sure the next year, and they don't. They don't even make the playoffs often. Why? Because once it's our natural inclination, and the same thing happens as a Christian. We reach our goal, and we just want to relax. It's a natural thing, but we, we, we naturally gravitate to comfort, right? Don't we? <laughs> Don't, are we always looking for something hard to do? No, we gravitate to comfort. We want to take it easy. But that's not why God has saved us. And that's not why God has sanctified us. And what a battle that is, right? That's not why. Joshua never stopped fighting. The guy slept in his armor. He died with a sword in his hand. Wait till you read the rest of the book. He battled his whole life. He didn't say, oh, I, okay, we're in the promised land, I can relax. No, he had to fight for every inch of it. He battled, and there will be, we have to do the same. There will be time to rest in heaven. We're going to have forever to take a nap if we really need it, right? So, you know, here's where we got to battle. Life is a battle. It's a spiritual battle. But God gives us R&R. He gives us times of R&R. We need it. In a war, soldiers give an R&R, so they go back and fight in the trenches again. We need it. So they go back to the spirit. We need it. We get times of blessing. We get times of rest. We get that time of comfort, and then it's time to grow again, and we're back out. He puts us back out in the battle in the midst of trials again. But even in the midst of trials, and if you've been a Christian long enough, you know what I'm talking about. Even in the midst of trials, there is a supernatural grace a supernatural peace, a supernatural joy that we can experience even in the midst of those trials. And that's why communion with God is so important because we're going to face trials. A lot of you are living in a trial right now. God is growing us somehow, but we need that communion. It's a, the communion service day is a reminder that we need communion with Jesus Christ daily. We need Communion means to connect. We need to be connected with Jesus on a daily basis basis. That's what this communion is a reminder of. The bread, the cup, the bread is a reminder of the body of Christ that he gave. The cup is a reminder of the blood he gave on the cross. He died on that cross. He gave his body to die. He shed his blood to to wash us clean. Now bread is also a picture of Jesus Christ, as we've always already talked about. It's a picture of him fulfilling manna. Just as manna came from heaven, bread from heaven, Jesus came from heaven. And just as they would eat the manna, right? They ate it daily. Every day they ate it. We need to feed on Jesus Christ daily. We need Jesus daily. We need to, to spend time with him and spend time in his word daily. And a Christmas connection, because this is Christmas communion, a Christmas connection with this is Jesus was born in what town? Bethlehem. And Bethlehem means, and there are no accidents in the Bible or God's plan, Bethlehem means, I just saw someone say it, house of bread. House of bread. When Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to be born, when the bread from heaven came down, the ultimate bread from heaven came down, he was born in the house of bread. Have you ever spiritually eaten that bread? Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? You can do that today. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
The word believe means to put your complete faith and trust in Jesus. What he did on that cross for us. Have you ever put your faith in him and trust in him? Today you can do that during our communion time. If you've already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Are we feeding on that bread from heaven on a daily basis? Are we spending that time in communion with Jesus on a daily basis? Are we growing in his word? Are we preparing for the battle? Are we growing in his word and living it and living in victory? Very, very important. Are you learning how to eat and feed yourself and grow? Are we, are we in the spearhead? Are we helping other people? Who is God putting on our heart? What person, what ministry, what area of life is God putting on our heart to be a spearhead to help others? We're just going to go here to prayer in just a minute, but what communion is? We, we, we have the bread and the cup. It represents the body and blood of Jesus. We just, we'll have some worship music playing, and you can come and get it and go back to your seat. You can take it with somebody. You can take it alone, whatever. However God leads you, it's, it's between you and God. There's no right or wrong way. Uh, the only reason I would say why not to take it, two reasons. One is if you're not a Christian yet. Now, I hope you pray and put your faith in Christ today. That'd be awesome. But if you're not ready to do that, you need more time, that's okay. Got the spiritual journey, take your spiritual steps. But if you're not ready, then wait. It's okay. Nobody's looking around. We're not taking attendance. We don't, we're not paying it. You know, that's between you and God. It's always between you and God. The second reason is if there's something in our life that we won't surrender. If there's a sin in our life, there's a, something in our life that we know God doesn't want us to have. And it's not that we're struggling with it, because you're struggling, we're good, we're good. But if you're not struggling with it, you're like, this is mine, you can't have it, God, I don't care what you say. Then don't take it, because the Bible says don't take communion in an unworthy way. But I hope that today you do repent of whatever you're struggling with. Or you say, God, I'm going to start battling this, and I need your help. And I'm going to take communion because I need your help with this battle. Let's pray. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us as we go to this Christmas communion? Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus, but today the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, calling you to, to take that step of faith. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You can believe in him right where you're sitting. Right where you are right now, you can believe in Jesus. It's the prayer of faith. God, please forgive my sin. Anything I've ever done wrong that goes against your word or your will for my life, I repent. I repent and ask for your forgiveness. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. My complete trust in what Jesus did for me. He died for me. I'm putting my faith in him to make, to clean me. To change my life. I give you my life, God. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, something amazing, radical, 
life-changing has happened to you. You've just been given eternal life. You have just been born again. You've been born spiritually. Just like you were born physically one day, you are born spiritually today. And you're in for a shock, just like when you were born physically, you are, you're in for the shock of your life because the Holy Spirit is in you. He's going to change you in ways you never thought were possible especially as you stay close to Jesus and commune with him. You're a brand new spiritual baby. And I want you to let somebody know, please let somebody know, because babies can't survive on their own. We need spiritual parents. Let me know. Fill out the card, text, call. Let someone else know, a friend, family member. Let somebody know about your new faith so that we could be excited and encourage you in your new life in Christ. But now you can commune with God any time. You can take communion this morning, and, and that's a picture that you can come to God any time through his son Jesus for whatever you need. For those of us who are already Christians, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe it's time to grow up, to take the next step of faith in our spiritual journey. Maybe it's time to get into the word and really, really learn to eat it. Maybe it's time to, to really battle something in our life that we've surrendered to, an enemy that we've surrendered to. It's time to really battle. But we're going to need the word, and we're going to need some spiritual coaching and encouragement to do that. Who are you going to talk to? Who are you going to pray with? Maybe God's put somebody, somebody on our heart that we need to come alongside of and encourage. Someone to witness to, share our faith with. Someone to help in their spiritual walk. Someone who's struggling. Maybe we've been judgmental of their struggle and we, God's laid it on our heart. Hey, I've helped you. You need to help them. Maybe it's a ministry that God is tugging on our heart to be involved in. Maybe you've already retired spiritually and God's saying today, time to retread instead. Father, we pray as we go to this communion time that your Holy Spirit would move in a powerful way, a life-changing way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.